It's in that third step. First is from Hadi sending the Hidayah to us. And then that next step or that third word is Ittada, that a human guide has any role. In, order, in other words, for anyone, any man, any believer, to be guided, any movement to submit to that guidance, to follow that guidance, to live a guided life, they may need an assistant to bring them to Hidayah. That is all that any Ustaz, Alim, Sheikh, Mushir, anyone who gives advice, any Da'i, anyone who calls, they are calling or guiding, or we wouldn't use the English word guide anymore, they're calling or indicating or helping or tutoring us to get that Hidayah. And that's why it's very important to know that even if we may not always have recourse to that, many Muslims in the world may not even have access to ulama. There may be many Muslims in the world who may not have access to shayuh. It doesn't matter because they will have access to hidayah. And ultimately, Allah thought of the ultimate guider. So he will find a way to guide that person as long as that person wants hidayah. And I'm using that Arabic word normally, it's not spoken about. It's not enough to want hidayah, we have to want ihtidah. It's not enough to want to learn what's in the Quran and Sunnah. We need to want to live the Quran and Sunnah. When a person becomes like that, it's not that they want to know what the hidayah is and attend classes and durus and bayans and read and they feel that they're engaging and learning. That's with hidayah. It's when a person in their heart has a niya, a sincere intention and desire, that they want ihtidah, that they want to be guided, that they want to live their life according to guidance, then they will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So Allah subhanahu wa then sends hidayah in two ways for the mu'min. Right? There are types of hidayah that non-mu'mineen humans get, and even the non-human gets. But for the mu'min, the first aspect of this guidance and this hidayah is the sending down of the Qur'an and Sunnah. That is the first one. And then the second is only going to be given when they want to live according to the Qur'an and Sunnah. That is the second type of hidayah. So when we make this dua, then in the Qur'an, ihdina. We're not saying those want to send upon a scripture, send to us a prophet, we have those things. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is now we need to be guided to how to live according to the guidance. Mm-hmm. And that's why Allah spelled off for that second part of guidance. Now I'm bringing the English word back in because it's there in Arabic, you know, for that second aspect of guidance. Not guidance itself, but guidance as to how to be guided. Allah spelled off for this dua. Guide us how to be guided, i.e. guide us how to live according to the straight path. And that's how Allah SWT brought the human element in, by defining it and describing it in the Qur'an. Well, that, the guided path, the guided path is the path that has been treaded and followed and traversed by people who submitted to guidance. So Allah Sponta actually is part of His mercy. He's showing us that it's not some abstract concept that there's this hidayah and we're wondering whether we can live by it or not. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know that this is a path that has been lived. This is the path of the guided. And this is what we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take us from, take us from receiving this hidayah to being on the path of the guided. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions elsewhere in Quran. That that second step from guidance to being guided, that is done by the Nabiyeen, Siddiqeen, Shuhada, and Salihin. That in the first instance, all of the prophets and messengers, all of them bring a person to Hidayah. Secondly, um, the Siddiqeen. And the Siddiqeen are the true and sincere followers of Allah Subhanahu and the Prophet Sallallahu And what is it? their Siddiq or their truthfulness lies in that they are as true to Allah Subhanahu and the Prophet Sallallahu as is humanly possible for them. That's who Siddiq is. A person is Siddiq when they're as true to Allah Subhanahu and as true to the Prophet as is humanly possible for them. Humanly possible, I mean in terms of their own ability, in terms of their own circumstance, their own condition, their own time. That's why they will always be speaking. And in an absolute way, the truest follower was a Siddiq al-Akbar, Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That no non-prophetic human being in the entire history of humanity has been truer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or truer and or truer to the Prophet sallallahu to any Prophet for that matter than Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And what does this mean? What is the Siddiq? This was true, truest desire to be guided, truest desire to give everything up in one's life that was even the slightest bit different from that guidance. So the true Ihtida leads to true hidayah. The truest way of wanting to be guided will make that person the most truly guided. And that's what you see about Sayyidina Abu Bakr Shadiq when Allah It was his greatest wish and desire that every drop of the ocean of Wahi and the Buwa that he should immerse himself in that. And nothing at all, be it in the world, be it in his family, in his relations, in his self, in his personality, in his character. None of these things meant anything. And this is the real fana. This is to be fana in hidayah. This is what it means to be a siddiq. They are fana in Quran wa sunnah. They are fana in Allahi wa rasulihi. Subhanahu wa ta'ala wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That is what really fana is. Right? People think fana is to be fana in liquor. That's just a means, that's not an end. Or to be fanaf is salah, or to be to lose oneself in one's zikr, or to lose oneself in one's prayer, or to lose oneself in tilawa. All of it, remember what I said in the beginning, that everything in the deen revolves around the concept of hidayah. So actually, siddiq and being true and sincere is to lose oneself completely in that hidayah. Such that all notions all philosophies, all theories, all views, all positions, all thoughts are all tossed out unless they can they either emanate from or can be immersed inside that hidayah. And that is something that we don't have. 
and that is something that people need to understand about the soul. Then as long as the longer and the deeper we try to keep me, myself, and I inside the soul, so my views, my problems, my issues, my relationships, my needs, my sensitivities, my worries, my plans, what I wanted. You know, you even get people in Kosovo who have been in Kosovo for a couple of years and they say, well, no, this is not what I wanted from Kosovo. What I wanted was ABCD. That means that this is the real sana. And this is what Imam, that we are trying to get, is we're trying to eliminate and annihilate this self. Why? For the sake of this hidayah. And this is what Imam Rabbani, Madan al-Sasani, Sheikh Ahmed Sahindin, mentions in Maktubat, he calls it Fanai Nafsi. That this is the real Fana that a person is trying to enter, not to not worry about what Mansur al-Halaj experienced, but to worry about this, that when is it that I can extinguish and annihilate my nafs? When is it that I can just wish to be guided? That I want to live my life according to this guidance. Mm-hmm. That I want to have the hidayah embedded so deeply in me that I am Siddiq, that I am true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and true to the Prophet Prophet. These are the worries and concerns and preoccupations and thoughts that we should be having. Mm-hmm. Right? And the soul is just a means for that. And the mistake a lot of people make, and this is why then people outside, people who are not the soul and they deserve people like what I'm about, I'm about to describe, they think that the self is cultish. Mm-hmm. They think that this seems like a cult because this person has either made their sheikh and be all and end all, or their Sufi identity is the be all and end all, or their particular way of doing zikr, their be all and end all, or, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a mistake. All of these things were means to reach Maqam al to reach that level and station of being true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yes, certainly along the journey, the different path a person takes does inevitably affect that person, right? Uh, even in this world, every journey is an encounter. If you take a 10 o'clock bus, as a, or you take an 11 o'clock bus, that will actually shape your life in even slightly different ways. You will reach the destination. And I'm talking about that you reach it an hour later or earlier, but the people who are on that bus, Anything that may happen, you may hear or notice on that bus. So that will become part of you. That will affect you. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, let's look at that. That is a fraction compared to the actual point of the journey, which is to get to the destination. Mm-hmm. And once you reach the journey, many times incidents or manners or experiences that you, you know, may have gone through during the journey, they gradually start to fade away. Because now you've reached your destination, right? Now what happens is that some people, the mistake they make in the soul of, is instead of focusing on the hidayah, focusing on istidah, on the guidance itself and being guided, they get overly caught up in the process. They get overly caught up in the process. And I'm commenting on this not because I'm worried so much about what effect this has had, you know, in the minds and hearts of people who observe this and outside observers, mm-hmm. I'm actually more generally and much more intensely worried about the effect that it has on people inside the soul. Mm-hmm. That it is a distraction for them, it's a diversion for them, 
and it makes then their relationship with the soul very difficult, mm-hmm. very problematic, and less beneficial. So what we need to do, so this is an equally for those who are inside or those who are outside, is we need to reorient the sawaf as part of Deen of Islam, and everything in Deen of Islam is for Hidayah. Exactly. And that's why we are here. And that's why we interact on this program, so that we can also learn to live according to this Hidayah, and so that others may be able to understand what role, and I say that again, what role, which means a partial thing, what role the sawaf and Tazkiyah play in a person being able to have that hidayat. And yes, for many people, it's a brilliant role. It's a magnificent role. But it's only going to be brilliant and magnificent and effective when it's bringing them to hidayat. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to bring them to hidayat when their own orientation and niyat and intention is that they want to be hidayat, they want to be rightly guided. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is a very important need of the time. And this is a very long topic, um, but tonight I will just mention one thing, right? Because, okay, maybe maybe some of our listeners may feel that even what I just said right now was quite theoretical or conceptual. Mm-hmm. So let me mention one practical thing. And this is what I will say, that this is the needle of the compass. This is what will always make sure we keep our bearings on track. Mm-hmm. This is that attribute, that sifat, that quality, that demeanor, that if we have it, it will keep it will keep bringing us back, keep grounding us onto this notion that there's a hidayah called the Deen of Islam, and my relationship with the Sawaf is entida. The Sawaf is a means to, for me to be guided according to that hidayah, and that attribute that we you know we'll just mentioned a little bit about tonight that is called adab. That is called adab. Mm-hmm. Adab means to have. You know, in simple English, to have the proper manner, the proper etiquette, in a more, and I'm just using the French English word because it does explain the Arabic word other better. Because other is not just manners and etiquettes. Therefore, we have to look for a higher English word, and that is what we call propriety and comportment. It means the proper way to a proper outlook in a proper manner a proper way of viewing things and a proper way of doing things. So all of this is, this whole properness is what we call propriety. And comportment is the other and the akhlaq and the manners and virtues and ethics and the way we go about uh, everything that we do in life. Okay. And so adab is really one of the core things. And this is why Nabiya Kareem, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in the Hadith, Adinu that the deen, the entirety of it, is adab. Mm. The totality of it is adab. Mm. And this is why in our tradition of the souls as well, there's always been a lot of emphasis on adab. Mm. And in fact, now the, if we were to use a plural noun this adab, there is mention of adab in every single thing. Adab towards the Qur'an al-Kareem, okay. adab towards ilm, adab towards hadith, adab towards ulama, adab towards mashayikh, adab towards fellow talaba, adab towards fellow seekers in the path, adab towards every mu'min, be they seeker or not, student or not, adab towards all of humanity, 
other towards all this creation and and ultimately other towards Sayyidina and penultimately other towards Allah. And if we don't keep these grounded in these adab, in this adab, right, uh, then, you know, I think this is one of the biggest ways that we lose our bearing and we end up in a lot of the confusions uh, that, you know, a lot of the questions in the last few weeks uh, seem to be indicating. Okay. And uh, this is why I thought that we should talk about how we can increase ourselves and have a healthy dose of other. And what I will do, um, because we don't have so much time tonight, is actually take a smaller topic for tonight, for the first night, which is other towards others, mm-hmm. as opposed to perhaps other towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and other towards Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu which are longer topics. And when I meet other towards others, I'm going to now use another word, other towards one's associates, other towards one's fellows, other towards one's friends, other towards one's companions. This is very important. And this is a beginning point. And this may be uh, a bit easier or more in reach of people because obviously other towards Sayyidina Rasulullah and other towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these are very, uh, you know, high-level uh, things. And it's very interesting that Sayyidina Rasulullah mentioned this in terms of, and I just simply link all of this other towards your fellow movement. The reason I said the words friend, companion, associate, fellow, is because these are acquaintances, and these are the people we interact with, right? Mm-hmm. We don't interact with all the one billion mu'minin on earth. So it is adab towards a mu'min, but which mu'min are we practically going to have that adab with? It's never really going to be, and who are we going to have the most interactions with, and the most interface with, and therefore the greatest chance of not having proper adab is going to be with those people who we interact with, and those are our friends, companions, associates, fellows, and secondly, acquaintances, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I want to focus on other of our companions, mm-hmm. other of our friends, other of people whom we interact with more. Mm-hmm. And this is what Nabi Akhenim also mentioned, that the true mu'min is that one who loves for their fellow believer what they love for themselves. Mm-hmm. And this has meant, again, this is going to start first and foremost in our own inner circle. Mm-hmm. And this means so much, it's taken to the extent that first, right, there's a first simple thing, which later on in, in you know, the English language became a problem that they call the golden rule, to treat others the way you wish to be treated. So yes, one should treat and deal with and view and feel about in our heart our friend and companion and acquaintance, right, mm-hmm. exactly how we would like them to treat us and to feel about us in our heart. But in fact, the deen goes even further that we should actually, this is what is called ihsan, that we should actually treat them better than we would even want ourselves to be treated. We should have even more positive feelings about them in our heart than we ourselves would want others to have about us. And this itself is an other that we really don't uh, extend to people in the proper way. We want that in our heart we should be able to criticize 
and evaluate and analyze everyone and everything about them, but they should have absolute love and fondness and generosity and selfless for us. Mm-hmm. And I will also say that this is something that we've learned from our elders and something that, you know, these are the type of things that you really can't, at least I was not able to learn through uncle, through intellect, or through ilm, through learning. Mm-hmm. And that is that when a person does this, when a person starts treating and viewing and feeling about others positively, then Allah makes this happen about them. When we start treating others well, others will start treating us well. When we start treating them better than we would want ourselves to be treated, then Allah will decree that others will start treating us better. Now, obviously, imagine that these adab are there for the mu'min, acquaintance, friend, companion, fellow, associate, and how much it would apply to close friends, intimate companions, family members, uh, brothers, sisters, or fellow seekers on the path, fellow students of them. Mm-hmm. The importance of other. And the ikhlas or sit in this other is that we are truly sincere in our other vis-a-vis that person, mm-hmm. in private and in public, mm-hmm. in word and in deed, in tongue and in heart, okay. right? Uh, and so this would be the first level of, the first aspect of other I would talk about. Mm-hmm. And we should remember as well that our deen has taught us that we should have husnizan. Mm-hmm. And husnizan means, in English, it means always to have um, a hopeful, in a positive, in an optimistic outlook about someone. So much so the Shaykh Ashraf Ali Ta'ala used to say that we should view everyone as better than ourselves. And many people understand that, uh, and many people understand that partially. And they understand this part that, okay, I should view my, they flip it, and they feel that, okay, I should view myself as worse than ABC. So what I will do to make myself feel that way is I will remember some sin of mine. And when I remember that sin, and I think ABC probably never did that sin, then I view myself as worse. Okay, that's part of it. Part of it is maybe to view ourselves as lower than others. Mm -hmm. But another part of it is actually directly to view them as better than us. Mm -hmm. Right? And what happens sometimes, the sense I get, is we're not able to view people as better than us unless we somehow lower ourselves. Because our normal view of ourselves Mm -hmm. would be such that, yeah, we have to view ourselves as better than them. And the only way I can view that person as better than me is if I lower myself somehow, lower the way I view myself in my eyes by thinking of some sin. So that's a tool, that's a step, and that's a problem. And the source really is trying to bring a person to that level. And this is, and we may have to sort of end on this note, but that's the level of sidq and ikhlas or idz and dawazu, rather, that the humility that they had, is that they didn't need to lower themselves in order to view others as better than them, they could even look at their good attributes and still view others as better than them. They wouldn't have to look at their sins. They have to view others as better than them. And this this is an other. This is what I mean by other. And these are things that really only our Messiah can teach us. This level of other. And it's this other that will keep us on this path of seeking guidance and wanting to be guided. And it's this other that will ultimately bring us to that guidance, to that hidayah.
أنا محمد الناحي لما